0: May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what we all need to hear. I have a hard time with seasonal depression. I really hate winter, and one of the reasons I hate winter is because it's dark a lot of the time. The sun doesn't come out many days. I'm happy to see it today again, after yesterday was also a sunny day. We're still six weeks away from the start of spring, and our days are short and our nights are long, and I just really, my body does not like that, doesn't agree with it. Medical studies have shown that people have less initiative, less energy, and are more likely to get the blues during the darker months of winter. It seems that most of us don't do so awfully well without light. There's a small town called Rukan in Norway that's located in a valley right between two mountains. And for six months of the year, sunlight does not hit this town. Well, the whole town is in the shadow of the mountains, except for there's one spot in the very center of downtown, the town square, that is covered with bright light sun gets through in that one little area. This is possible because a man named Martin Anderson convinced the people of Rukan a long time ago to invest in three giant mirrors and to put them up on the peaks of the mountains. And the mirrors follow the sun and they readjust every ten seconds so that they capture the maximum amount of sunlight that they can from the mountaintops and they reflect it down into the town square. They're only able to get a small area. But at that spot where the sun is reflected in the town square, they set up benches so that people can go and sit and soak up the sun. The local residents aren't the only ones who enjoy these sun mirrors. The mirrors have attracted tourists to their little town, too. We just don't function well without light, do we? And some of us, worse than others. A customer service agent for a utility company in Rochester, New York, talked about working during a horrible storm when thousands of customers were without power and utility crews were working 16 hours a day to repair the damage. And one kind of clueless customer called to complain about the power outage and then said, how will I know when my lights are back on? Customer service agent was kind of stumped for a second by that question. How would you answer that question? Finally, she just said, um, They'll be brighter than they are right now. That's how you'll know. The customer hung up on her. I thought the customer service agent's answer was a pretty good answer. It'll be brighter when the lights come on. When you're in the dark and the lights come on, you'll know it, you'll know the difference. Even a little tiny sliver of light in a dark room is noticeable. That's what I think about when I read Matthew 5:14 through 16 when Jesus says, "You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone." In the same way, let your light shine before other people, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. To really understand this teaching, we need to understand what came before it in this passage. Jesus had just finished teaching his followers that in God's kingdom, the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, the pure of heart, the peacemakers are close to God, are blessed. And then in verses 10 through 12, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you and falsely say things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. That doesn't sound like a very blessed state. We talked about that last week. How can someone be happy when they're being insulted, when they're being persecuted, when they're being lied about? And it gets even harder to understand because the word rejoice in verse 12 literally means jump for joy. Not just be happy, but be really, really happy. When's the last time you jumped for joy? I haven't done that for a while myself. Was it because you were being insulted or persecuted? Probably not. On April 30th of 2022, Country superstar Garth Brooks played a concert for more than 100,000 fans at Tiger Stadium on the Louisiana State University campus. His fans' dancing was so enthusiastic that it actually registered a small earthquake on the campus seismograph. What could possibly get those fans so excited that they caused a small earthquake? Well, it was Garth singing, "Calling Baton Rouge. That's the LSU Tigers pregame song. There are plenty of things to get us to jump for joy, but persecution and people giving us a bad time definitely aren't one of those things. Why would Jesus tell us to do something so weird, so strange? I think we can find our answer in this fifth chapter of Matthew, where he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then he talks about being the light of the world. The first thing that Jesus is teaching us here is that we are the presence of Jesus in this world. When I typed those words, I had to stop for a minute. Because that's a really huge statement. To think that you and I, as disciples, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are the very presence of Jesus in this world. You and I. Do we think about that as we go about our day? We are the presence of Jesus. Jesus, God in the flesh is the light of the world, and he calls us to be that light. In Genesis 1-3, the first thing God creates to fill the heavens and the earth is light. God didn't have to create darkness, because darkness was already there. Darkness is just the absence of light. Darkness has no power, no purpose, except to cover what exists. Light has power and purpose. Our power comes from Jesus Christ living inside of us. And our purpose is to do good deeds that will cause other people to experience the love of God and understand that they are loved. A pastor tells the story of a friend whose name was Bob. Bob had a neighbor who had a substance abuse problem. The neighbor made it clear to Bob that he didn't like Christians, and that he didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. But when the neighbor neglected his yard and let it go, Bob quietly took on the work of mowing and weed-eating his neighbor's yard. And for two straight years he did this, without ever asking for anything in return. After two years of watching Bob take care of his yard, one day the neighbor walked over and asked Bob to tell him, about this Jesus that he believed in. And Bob was able to share his faith with his neighbor because, simply because he had done a very kind deed for a long period of time. Years passed, and Bob and his neighbor had moved to different neighborhoods, and one day his old neighbor invited him and his wife to dinner. And he said, Bob, because... You cleaned my yard for two years. I came to believe in Jesus. I am now an elder in my church, and I am sober and clean. On weekends, when I'm not working, I try to help people who have problems like I have. This all happened because you did a simple deed, taking care of my yard for me. People can sense God's love, even in the smallest acts of kindness. Open a door. Smile as you walk past someone. Say hello. Small things. The second thing that Jesus teaches us here is that being Jesus' presence requires a conscious choice. In verse 15, he refers to those who light a lamp and then hide it under a bull. Who does that? We do. Sometimes we do. Think about Jesus' words to his followers. These people he was talking to that day would face rejection. They would face very serious persecution. Many would be killed because they followed him. To them he said, rejoice. Jump for joy. Make the conscious effort to be salt and light for others. No matter what you face, decide that you will respond with love and with good deeds. I was impressed by a news story that I read about a teenage girl who took a truly disappointing situation and turned it into an opportunity for good. An 18-year-old girl named Avery Sanford's dad had decided to pay his final child support payment in the most spiteful way. He dumped 80,000 pennies on the front lawn of his ex-wife's house. Can you imagine what a mess that must have been? But Avery decided that she would rise above her dad's hurtful gesture by donating the money, $800, to Safe Harbor, a domestic abuse shelter. Local news outlets spread the story about her generous gift and soon people all over the country were sending donations to Safe Harbor in her honor. I can't imagine the pain that she experienced when her dad did that. It's really a cruel way to act toward your daughter. Instead of focusing on that pain, she decided she was going to create good out of his cruelty. And her unselfish choice inspired other people, strangers even, from all over the country to do the same thing. Being Jesus' presence requires us to make a conscious choice to look for opportunities to shine that light. And the final thing that Jesus teaches us here is that when we make a conscious choice to be the presence of Jesus, no matter what our circumstances, our light will spread further and sometimes further than we ever can possibly imagine. In February of 2015, Fifteen-year-old Becca Schofield of New Brunswick, Canada, was diagnosed with cancer. She underwent an intensive course of treatment, but in 2016, her doctors told her that her cancer was terminal. They gave her three to six months to live. Becca had one wish on her bucket list, and only one. It was that people in the community where she lived would perform acts of kindness for one another, and that they would post those acts of kindness on social media so that Becca could experience their joy. She asked that they post their good deeds to the hashtag BeccaToldMeTo. Becca said in an interview, people have a natural need to do good, and that's what I'm doing. I'm doing what I can to be a vessel to do good. Word spread first throughout her little community, and then people began performing acts of kindness for their neighbors and for strangers. And as more and more people saw this on social media, her story spread. And soon people throughout Canada were doing acts of kindness. They were doing it in their communities and they were posting it to that hashtag, Becca told me to. And from there, the movement went viral. It spread to the United States, to Australia, to Japan, and other countries. And Ann Salmon, the mayor of Becca's hometown of Riverview, New Brunswick, said, It touched our town. It touched our province. It touched our world. Becca's parents said that reading people's online posts about good deeds gave her strength and encouragement through those dark, dark days. She outlived her doctor's original prognosis and she passed away at the age of 18. Becca's father, Darren, posted this to Facebook after her death. You gave her hope that all the good and the bad of the past three years had a meaning, even at times when that was hard to see. We pray that Becca told me to will live on, keep her dream alive, and our beloved Becca will live forever. Remember, be kind. Jesus knew that he wouldn't be with his followers for long. And so he's telling them in this passage, keep my dream alive. I'm the light of the world. Now it's your turn. It's your turn to be the light. Take my presence with you wherever you go. Make circumstances. Make a conscious choice to do good, no matter what the circumstances. And if you do these things, my light will spread. It will spread farther than you can possibly imagine. May we learn to be that light. Amen.